Support for this episode comes from Viator. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why Viator has over 300,000 bookable experiences, so there's always something for everyone. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure. It's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best, whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. Media Podcast Network. What's up, everyone? Jose Young's here. Sorry for that delay. We were dealing with some unforeseen technical difficulties, but we got it squared away. It's not my fault. It's the man opposite of me today. Uh, but if I had told you that my co-host was dealing with technical difficulties <laughs> on his end, the first person you would assume it'd probably be PC Carroll, and that is who is with me. Because I, honest to God, ever since I took over this. Every week I get comments and tweets and messages and DMs asking me when PT was going to return to the A-side. He was supposed to do it the first week, but he had to go do some UFC Stockholm stuff. And then he, I was in Chicago, so I did it with Casey Live. And then he was going to do it, but then he had to go cover this little press conference with Habib Nurmagomedov and Dustin Poirier. But this week we made it happen. PT Carroll is back in our lives. PT, what's up? Welcome back. Thank you so much for that lovely introduction. And unfortunately, everybody missed my big technical faux pas today, where I had to shut down my computer very quickly at six o'clock, just so we could turn it back on so my camera would start working again. But here we are. Yeah. We're back. A bunch of questions, thick and fast. Thank you. <laughs> we can't have Pizza Carol on and not see his beautiful face, but we're gonna we're gonna hop right in. Uh, first question, Pizza Rory versus Bellator from our friend Eduardo Bueno. Hey, fellas. Scott Coker said he wants Rory versus Lima in September. Three fights in less than five months. I think this is an awful idea and a lack of respect against his champion and pound-for-pound best fighter in the on his roster, specifically with Rory's recent history. Is Bellator giving up on the Rory project? I think Douglas's chances are bigger if they fight soon. I remember a while ago, Rory was complaining about a few things in Bellator. Maybe the relationship isn't that good. Is Rory planning to leave? Cheers. So, Pete Roy McDonald did pick up a win over Neiman Gracie in the main event of Bellator 222, punched his ticket to the finals of the Bellator Welterweight Grand Prix, where he'll rematch Douglas Lima. Uh, but I don't know if you watched the post-fight press conference after, and Scott Coker had said he wanted that fight to be in September, uh, which Douglas Lima also had mentioned because the, the Grand Prix started in September, and they wanted to end it in September. Roy McDonald was emphatically, that doesn't work for my schedule. Uh, he's had a few fights. I think he has another kid on the way. He wants to recover. And he wants to fight later this year. Uh, so what do you make of uh, Scott Coker wanting uh, basically three fights in five months for his champion who's had whose recent comments have caused quite a bit of stir, too? Yeah, it's um, it's very interesting. I don't blame Rory at all. I mean, he had two five round fights back to back there. I mean, I don't think it's I don't think it's asking a lot to hear. Give me a little bit of a break, boss. You know what I mean? Give me some leeway on this. 
But I will say one thing about Rory. A lot of people are kind of talking about always oh, back to exactly where he should be. But I wasn't convinced by that uh, performance. I wasn't convinced by his comments afterwards either. And I think a great way of looking at this is the first time he was meant to fight Lima, I was very strong on the Rory side. I was like, I think he has, I respected Lima a lot, but I was very strong on, on Rory was going to win it. This time around, I think I'm definitely favoring Lima. And that just shows you how much has changed for Rory McDonald in that year or whatever was since his last fight with him. Um, I don't blame him at all for wanting a longer kind of um, time off, downtime after that fight. And I, I think Coker should respect it because um, Rory's been a fantastic signing for them. And the same can't be said for all the guys that have been signed directly from the UFC to Bellator. Yeah, and I mean, he did lose to Gegard Mousasi pretty emphatically. He fought John Fitch to a draw. And then uh, he fought Neiman Gracie. And I remember talking to Josh Thompson at Bellator 221 and I asked him, should the winner of which and Michael Venom Page versus Douglas Lima was on that card. And I asked him, should the winner of this fight be considered the favorite for this Grand Prix, considering the champion fought to a draw and then his, his post-fight comments and everything? And he said that Neiman Gracie should be the favorite. But I agree with you that, yes, Rory McDonald won, but I don't think it was enough to sway the odds in my mind. I still would favor Douglas Lima in the rematch because that fight, that first fight wasn't easy for him. Uh, mm. And a lot of people like a lot of people consider that last round was kind of the deciding round where it was pretty neck and neck. So I'd have to agree with you. If, uh, I agree with this comment too uh, with Eduardo, where if they do fight in September, I'd have to favor Douglas Lima. But if if it's it's farther down the road and Rory figures it out, then I, I guess you'd favor the champion. Well, just just look what Lima's done since then. Like that that knockout of MVP was incredible, man. People were losing their minds over here. You know what I mean? It was it was insane. Um, look what Rory's done, as you said. That that fight with Fitch, it wasn't um, it was any, it wasn't anything to really write home about. The the loss to Gegard was emphatic. I mean, you know, based on that alone, I think it's very hard not to favor Lima. And maybe that fight with Rory was what put Lima on the map for an awful lot of people that hadn't consumed Bellator up to that point. So, yeah, completely agree with you. Great question. We've got off to a fantastic start, might I say. Yeah, so we'll, we'll move right along. And question specifically for me, but I don't know if, you, if you've watched any of the videos or seen any of the background stuff. Uh, UFC Apex from our friend Ted Bear. Howdy, fellas. Just wondering, being there in person, Mr. Y Mr. Youngs, <laughs> what was your impression of the new Apex Center? Can you explain how these new facilities the UFC is building all over the world fits into their overall strategy? It seems like a huge investment to be building performance institutes all over the world. Also, could you, could you clarify, is the PI free to fighters or just free for Shaq? Uh, that I do not know. Uh, I know a huge chunk of the roster is actually training there. Uh, Jessica, I did a re did her camp there ahead of Valentina Shevchenko, her fight against Valentina Shevchenko. Uh, France and Ghana has been there for a while. Uh, but I actually just got back from Las Vegas maybe an hour or two ago from the, the UFC Apex unveiling. Uh, it was a very impressive. The size of the building was enormous. Uh, they actually, Dana revealed that while they were building this institute around, which is across the street from the PI, they were adding stuff because they had space. So like they, I like we asked him like, is there anything in the design plans that you you wanted that weren't included? And he was like, quite the opposite. We were basically adding stuff to the blueprints as we were going because we had more space than we we anticipated. 
so they, it, it was very impressive. They're actually going to add more seats to, I don't know, obviously you watched the Contender Series yesterday. They're going to add more seats around the Octagon to fit maybe 1,200 people to watch mm -hmm. a Contender Series fight. Uh, they're going to have some tough fights there. Uh, Lauren Sankov said she wouldn't mind seeing Invicta there. Uh, but it was it was a very impressive building, but it wasn't even close to being done. Like that main octagon room, the main uh, centerpiece with the octagon and some of the bleachers and the VIP section, all that, that was complete. A lot of the stuff was still under construction. So I it, it was enormous. What they told us was impressive. Uh, but I want to see I want to see it built first before I can really say anything. But in terms of the P.I., Dana White said uh, he was targeting uh obviously mexico puerto rico uh china so and we asked him like why those countries like why not brazil why not london like why not ireland yeah why not ireland like these countries that have this wealth of talent why not build them there and he said that he wants to build them in places that haven't really mma hasn't kind of broken into the mainstream yet and he wants to use these pis to build the talent in these countries specifically because uh, he wants he's, he's basically building PIs in the in the in the cities and countries he wants to break the UFC to break into like Dublin obviously already has like a, a vast popularity of MMA especially with <laughs> Connor and Artem and never heard of him yeah right especially, especially <laughs> for PC so uh, what do you make of the, the the performance institutes being built all over the country and uh, all over the world and specifically uh, in these countries that the UFC hasn't really broken into yet? I think it's good. Like, and I mean, the PI has been a great success. When you, when you talk to fighters about that place, they, they're always kind of they're always kind of singing its praises. So, I, I guess it does make sense to put it into that market and um, put it into these markets that they're trying to build um, and build talent in those regions. Like we've we've seen how how decisions can be swayed by the UFC geographically and stuff like that. And obviously at the moment, there's a huge amount of talent there from China at the moment. That's very interesting. Obviously, uh, Zhang is getting that, that title fight as well. So yeah, it doesn't really surprise me. Um, but, uh, it looked great. It really looked great on TV watching it or on whatever Chromecast, whatever way you're watching it. It looked really impressive. Um, so I'm looking forward. If, even if, the results weren't that impressive, but we can get to that later on. I have my rant ready to go, but um, yeah, it's uh, it looked really good, and um, I guess it's it's good to see the the world's flagship MMA promotion reinvesting in the sport because I believe that's what they're doing. Yeah, since since I was there for the fight, uh, the the contender series fights, I didn't get to see it on on TV, and Dana White actually said that a lot of the we people in the audience didn't get to see any of the filler, like the, those promos between fights. Or it was basically just dead quiet between mm -hmm. fights. It was kind of it was weird. So there's a lot of stuff to work out. Um, but did it? Did you? You obviously, I assume you watched the Contender series the last few seasons. Was there a different feeling watching it in this new facility as opposed to the old Tough Gym from past seasons? Um, maybe it's hard to tell just based off one, but it was certainly obvious that they were in a new place. Um, the promos and stuff are really good. Um, kind of takes on this nearly like, uh, do you guys have X Factor over there? Yeah, we do. <laughs> you have the X Factor. So it kind of like, all right, this guy tells you how hard it's been to get here. And now he's fighting. Every one of them, you know, this guy does this terrible story. Now he's fighting. That's the way it kind of went. Very verse, course, verse. But I did enjoy it. I think it looked really good, you know? Yeah, we didn't get any of that in the in the arenas. And uh, So you guys weren't even crying when you were watching the fights like I was? 
No, we were just like, when's the next fight going to happen? And then all of a sudden, <laughs> they're, announcing, they're announcing it. So we didn't see any of that in the arena. Oh, the space is huge, right? You're going to be waiting for a while there between fights. The space is absolutely huge. Like, and because they, they were obviously weren't done building, but Dana White actually in the in the tour, he right before the tour he did a QA and he kind of dropped this nugget, like, yeah, it's it's open to the public, like anyone can come. And we were like, wait, so a fans can just like walk up and just come, like they don't need a ticket or anything. He's like, Yeah, just show up. And that blew what? up in his face where he said that he just got an enormous like his inbox was under siege asking for fans to come like oh when should i show up when should i show up so he basically had to put out like hey we're like we're at capacity so he's they're <laughs> gonna add they're gonna add more bleachers and seats for like now fans can just like you don't have to be friends or family you can just show up and watch a fight for free at the, at crazy. the apex so there was a ton of space uh, uh a lot of empty areas around the bleachers so <laughs> I'm, I'm i'm very intrigued to see uh especially later on in the when they figure it all out and fans start to realize that they can just show up because I asked Dana point blank like are you going to charge like tickets like maybe five dollar tickets like no just show up just come on by I was like well that's that's a danger that's dangerous Dana you're going to get all these weirdos running in uh but that will that will stop as soon as they have an Irish fighter on the contender series as soon as 500 Irish lads show up absolutely rat ass drunk I can see that ending very quickly Oh boy. Oh, oh boy. <laughs> Honest to God, I, I want to be there for that one. I just want to see Dana just like, oh God, what did I do? It blew like right away in this in the scrum. We asked him, like, so where are all the fans? He goes, Oh my god, that kind of just took off and blew up in my face. So uh I don't think the UFC PR even knew that was a thing. Cause when Dana say it, there was said it, there was kind of a moment of silence, like, what? What? <laughs> <laughs> but moving on. Uh, from our good friend Matt the Donk, he seems he always gets a, a question in here. Uh, Dylan Dennis, PC, what did mm-hmm. y'all think about his second fight, and how would you like Bellator to continue using him? Part of me thinks he should just throw away another eight lowly donks at him to keep building him up over the next three years as he gets more cage experience. But another part of me wants to see him get beat down sooner. That if <laughs> then if he keeps trolling us with John Jones callout, hashtag cringe. So. Pizzi, uh, Dylan Dennis, longtime training partner of your friend Conor McGregor. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure he's uh, well known over on your side of the pond. Uh, had his second fight in Bellator, uh, his first fight since that incident at UFC 229 with him and Habib and Conor, and he ran through Max Humphreys like it was. It was. It, he put Humphreys through a wood chipper and came out victorious. And it, later, uh, John Cavanaugh said that he had like a knee knee injury and he confirmed that there was a knee injury or something like that or ankle i can't quite remember but there was some sort of injury uh what do you make of dylan dennis's performances uh how would you like to see him use moving on and when i put this out on twitter like when should he fight again a lot of people want him to fight over on your side of the pond whether it be in london or dublin or wherever so uh what do you what do you make of dylan dennis's performance and where does he go from here yeah, it was it was a very good performance. I think he was very dominant, and that's really what you expect when um, a guy is coming from such an elite background as he has in jiu-jitsu. You know, I see people complain about the level of opponent all the time, but really, 
that's the level of opponent you can expect for a guy who's taken his first steps into mixed martial arts. I think where the problem is created is when he gets on the mic afterwards and he says, give me John Jones. And then they're going to have another guy who's like maybe four and three in his next fight or three and three or whatever it might be. And people are going to say, oh, why didn't you? But that's just what he's doing. He's doing that. So you guys do that. We're all playing the game with him here. Every time we get excited and upset about it and start, you know, effing and blinding out of us, that's what he wants. He doesn't give a shit if we're, we're happy or sad about it. Once we react in some way, shape or form, that's all he care, cares about. Like, I mean, do, do I think he's a fantastic person for doing that? No. But I mean, do I think it's resulting in a fantastic uh, career and traction for him? Absolutely. So why would he stop? Yeah, he's doing it. He's doing it right, man. And we we saw the Chael Sonnen's uh, career come to an end on on Friday too. And I'm sure we'll talk about that later. But Chael himself said, like, booze and cheers. Though that's what you want to hear. You never want to hear silence. And I I've seen the numbers, the social media numbers on our site from Dylan Danis clips or stare downs or weigh-ins, and he is routinely one of the top two fighters uh, in Bellator. Like even he even like overshadowed the main event in terms of like his 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 weigh-in or stare down like oh my gosh you should have seen the comments on our youtube page when he what they walked out with the towel when he needed oh, yeah, the yeah. Towel to weigh in it was they just went scorched earth on him like how yo you need the towel to make weight like how unprofessional I'm like he made weight he needed it's Donna's weight hair. baby <laughs> right it's like they're just looking for a reason to like complain about this guy and he keeps talking and he keeps winning uh but he's only two and oh so i don't know what i don't know how, how big of a jump in competition he can actually get they seem to be uh giving him the michael venom page treatment right now yeah and i mean this is this is what they probably should do look what what they do on the opposite scale of that with aaron pico that blew up yeah. in their face you know what i mean like like and what i don't understand is um you know when um when Aaron Pico was saying like, I don't want to step down in competition after Corrales uh, defeats him, they don't give him a, a big step down in competition when they put him against Adam Barks. For those of you who don't know, that guy was 12-0, and 0, an unbeaten supremo from Hungary before he went over there. He's huge for 145. But what I don't understand is they, they kind of seem to take um, – they take Aaron Pico's word for it and kind of carry on as he wants it to go. But we won't see we won't see Dylan Dennis getting matched with Rory McDonald or John Jones in his next fight. So I just don't understand the thinking there. Like, why is it one rule for one guy and, and one rule for someone else? I like the fact that they nurture talent. It makes them big. It makes them sellable. Look at MVP. I mean, we were right along for that ride, right up until that KO to Lima. Look at James Gallagher. Like, I mean, this guy has so much traction. People complain all the time. Like, until he fights a champion, people are going to say, he, he, you're putting him in against shit guys. That's just the way it's going to happen. Like, it's um, it's the right way to do it, the way they're doing with, with Dylan. I think you've got to nurture talent. And, um, yeah, I'd, I'd say more of the same for the next two, three years, probably, you know? Yeah, I mean, Mike, Michael Venom Page's whole thing was he never fought, like, quote-unquote, like, real competition. He fought yeah. in cans. Uh, which I didn't agree with, but then he fought Douglas Lima, and he, I think he won that first round. I mean, yeah, he got taken down, but he had risk control the whole time. Like Douglas Lima didn't do anything. I was really impressed with him on the ground. I was really impressed with him on the ground. Absolutely. And then he himself said when he got his legs kicked out from under him in that second round, and he decided he he was finding so much success on the feet that he was overconfident. Like I'll just stand up. 
and instead of go backwards, like roll backwards away from danger, he just stood up like he had tripped on the street and then walked into a like a upper uppercut from hell on the jaw. Like it was his mistake, he says. So uh, it just goes to show you like, yeah, he might not be fighting the biggest names with the most impressive records, but like he's still a bad dude inside that cage. And uh, um, and uh, but what do you think about Dylan fighting over uh, in, in, the, in the UK or Dublin or something like that? Well, the Dublin card is most likely going to be announced on um, s- uh, on Saturday when Bellator London goes down. Um, obviously over here on Saturday, that's happening. Um, so I think what, what we've heard is they're probably going to announce some of the fights for um, the, the Dublin card in September. I'm not too sure which date. Uh, James Gallagher seemed to kind of hint at it on Eurobash this week that he already has something going on there. And really, I, I think it works for Dylan to come and compete in Ireland now. I think it works for him to... Like, they don't, they don't get the same crowd in England as they get in Ireland. They don't have that wild, passionate, screaming... Uh, fan base and I think Dylan would really benefit from that I think I know he only competed on Madison Square Garden but to see the adoration that's heaped on people that are connected to Connor and connected to that thing that would probably benefit him greatly and people are already kind of thinking about what opponents he could face I mean there's a there's a very good fighter he's even record at the moment I believe three and three Keith McCabe who has stepped up on short notice to face Galore Bufando um, on this card and we we feel as though like he is a very solid test for Dylan like he's very good on the ground in terms of his normal MMA competition and he's been beaten by two SBG guys in the past uh, Richard Coyley and Kiefer Crosby who are both signed to Bellator now so I think that could potentially make sense for Dylan I think that's a fight that both SBG uh, Bellator will look at and say, well, you know, I think this is a good, like it's a good step up. It's a steady step up. It's not, it's not like he's fighting one of the killers at the very top of the division, but, but a win against someone like McCabe, who is well-respected in Ireland would really do uh, Dylan a lot of favors. But of course, as soon as this is announced, I'm sure all the U S fans will be saying, who's this can he's putting against. But uh, I think it will be, I think it's a, it's a no brainer to put him in Dublin, to be honest. I mean, you sold me. I mean, I just wanted him to fight in Dublin. I th- I wanted to see <laughs> the reception that he would get uh, and how, like, because in America, I, I, I've seen him fight live. I saw his, his Bellator debut, and he gets a lot of booze. Like, there are, it's pretty 50-50, but I, I would like to see him fight in front of a crowd that just absolutely loves him. Uh, yeah. I'm to put this into context, like... I- at the last Dublin card, uh, Peter Queeley, who was who had never really fought for one of the big US promotions or, or one of the he had fought on Bama cards and things like that in Ireland, he got pitted against the guy Miles Bryce, who had fought with who had trained at Khabib's uh, gym ahead of two two nine, who used to be an SBG fighter, and. The, the the fierce treatment of Miles in the lead up to that fight, everyone was calling him a rat. Everyone was telling Queen to go out there and kill him. Just because they felt like that was heavily reliant on the the Connor and Khabib dynamic. But just to see how much people got behind Peter and gave him this hero's ovation when he went in to fight Miles, I think Dylan would get exactly the same thing if he ended up fighting on that Dublin card, you know? I don't, I'm curious how he reacts. I mean, he's so used to playing the villain. How is he going to react when no one hates him? <laughs> we love you, Dylan. What? <laughs> right, right. He's like, he's just like coming out. He's acting like a, like this, this bad guy with his leopard. Like he had like leopard print shorts on. Yeah. <laughs> he didn't take his sunglasses. He had like space age sunglasses in the press conference. And people are like, oh, look at this clown. Like if he shows up in Dublin and he gets no hate, like 
That's like it's like Chael Sonnen or like when Michael Bisping later later in his career, he'd come out to cheers. And then even he was like, what is happening right now? Like, when did I become the good guy? Uh, yeah, so, yeah. But I, 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 I just want to see how he'd react. But moving on, you actually touched upon uh, this fighter uh, a, a moment ago, Barix. Mm. From our friend, life is kicking my butt. All right. Sorry about that. Same here, man. It's all good. Stay it's real. Stay in, stay in the corner. <laughs> Peaches going to hit this question for you, so hopefully it's a turnaround in your life. But Borix, everyone speaks about Pico's derailed hype train, but nobody seems to notice the breakout talent that is Adam Borix. Pronounced Borich. All right. My bad. With an entire nation, small as it may be, behind him. Even though Pico was laser-focused on his strongest trade, his wrestling, he did zero damage from Borich, who managed to get off the mat eventually and faster each time Pico took him down. Do you expect Bellator to seize the opportunity and pull a victory out of the jaws of an apparent defeat by promoting a very, by promoting the, this very talented young fighter? And, and you hit it. You, you touched upon it uh, briefly. But Boric, like, I picked him to win after seeing that stare down. Uh, he looked absolutely massive next to Aaron Pico. And his record, like you said, undefeated fighter, uh, it just, I didn't, I, 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 Pico could obviously win, but coming off that hellacious knockout and he had just switched camps. He went from uh, McKee's camps or, or Antonio McKee's camps to now Greg Jackson camp. I don't know how, if there was enough time in that one, in this new camp going into this fight. Cause I, when did he last fight? I think it was January and then he fought in June. And that, so that's only a few months in his new camp against a, like a colossal fighter who Huge. even himself said Borch was on the MMA hour and speaking with Luke Thomas saying like maybe he was too too young for the for the hype uh he needs a break and maybe he should go to maybe Aaron Pico should go to 135 pounds but uh Bellator seems to have uh this well-spoken good-looking Borch character kid uh, who just knocked out Aaron Pico with a flying knee on one of the <laughs> biggest cards they've ever put together in Madison Square Garden does Bellator have a bona fide star in their hands in Adam Borch? Well, they have a situation there that, that can play right into their hands, Jose, because they already do shows in Hungary. They've done shows in Budapest before. This guy has fought there. He's already won by flying knee KO in Bellator before this fight even happened. I mean, I feel like it would be terrible for them not to really get down to Hungary and put on a big fight for this guy there. Because as he was explaining, he was on with us on Eurobash the week before the fight. And he was kind of explaining, like, he seems to be the guy that's generating the interest there now. So if he can be the spark that lights the fuse in Hungary, that would be absolutely huge for Bellator and it would be huge for him. But um, I feel like it's nearly like Bandejas beating uh, Gallagher to some extent. Like I felt like the story was way more about James Gallagher being defeated than it was again uh, uh, than Ricky Bandejas taking a big win. And we obviously saw Ricky taking that loss to Patrick Mix at the weekend as well. But they cannot sleep on this opportunity. This is a big opportunity to do something big in Europe. They're already heavily invested in Europe. They have this European series going. I feel like they'd be very silly if they don't. It, it's it's made for them. It's right there for them to take it if they want it. So they need to do it. And really, like I feel like Bellator are coming into Europe now with this European series and they're competing with the UFC. If they had a bigger name, they'd be able to compete with them even more. It's just a brand awareness so far over here. People don't automatically, you don't automatically say to someone on the street, Bellator, and they go, oh, the mixed martial arts promotion. They don't do that yet. They do that with the UFC. 
that's where they need to go. And by having stars in these locations, James Gallagher in Ireland, you know, they have a lot of guys in England now as well. Get Adam going in uh, Hungary and this will all work in their favour. I honestly believe that. So they have to do it. I really hope it does result in a kind of a positive career surge for Adam because he's a great guy and an astronomical talent. As we saw, just the presence of mind. He was being absolutely out-wrestled, completely dominated in the grappling exchanges. And then to have the presence of mind just to pick that one moment where he could set up that knee. I doubt he could have set that up at any other point in the fight. Absolutely amazing. This guy has something and they have to they have to run with it. Yeah, and just based off of his his interviews too. I mean, they can. He's not a. He's a well spoken kid, and he's not afraid to say. Like Luke asked him, and he even asked him in the press. They, they someone asked him in the press conference, like, uh, "Were you under overlooked? Like, what did you think about that?" And most fighters would be like, "Oh, I don't really care like about underdog status." And Boris was like, "It bothered me. Like, it bothered me how many people were telling me Aaron Pico was gonna knock me out, mm. but I knew I was gonna knock him out." And that's exactly what he did. So Boric is hearing that. It's weird hearing a fighter like admitting that fans telling you you're going to lose bothers you. So he right was an anomaly to me. He also told Luke that his father was afraid of what was going to happen in that yeah. fight. Like that is Jesus Christ. Like that is that is really raw, honestly. And what he had said to us the week before the fight is, I want to show everybody who really deserves hype. And my God, he certainly did that. And what do you, what do you, where does Aaron Pico go from here? I mean, Board said he should go to 135. Uh, Pico does have a pretty long uh, medical suspension after that, that knockout loss. Uh, Boric was very confident with saying, like, Adam, Aaron Pico's career is not over. He's he no might way. Be four and three. He's two losses in a row. A lot of people might be writing this kid off, especially like, especially after his, his first, his, his Bellator debut, he got finished. Uh, gets finished by Henry Corrales in uh, an exciting fight, but got clipped on the chin and then loses again. Uh, where does Aaron Pico go from here? Should he take a lot of time off until his next fight? Uh, and what do you make of this whole Aaron Pico's career is over already? And he's what, like 24, 23 yeah. years old? It's absolute bullshit. And, and the thing is, right, they need they need to allow this guy to cut his teeth. They never let him cut his teeth. Yeah. He was going in there against absolute animals from day one. I mean, the, the guy needs to have some kind of a developmental period here. We've seen his hands. They're tremendous. We've seen his wrestling. It's tremendous. But he needs some time to be able to put those two together in a live fight situation. And, and really, with the talent pool they've put him against, they haven't been able to do that. Now, and if this takes bringing him right the way back and starting to match him like Dylan Dennis, they have to do it because they have to correct this issue. They made this problem. He doesn't go out and decide who he's fighting every week. Bellator do. So it's time to go out and rectify the problem that is now on their hands. They created it. They have to deal with it. And I'd like to see them allowing him to cut his teeth. Like, could you imagine what he'd be doing to guys if he was put in with these dudes that have fought like two or three times? I remember after the Corrales knockout, he was there saying, don't put me in with these people. I'll hurt them. And you know what? He's probably right. But at the end of the day, this is the game that we're in, my friends. I know it's not pretty. I know it's not glamorous. But this is what it's about. And if you haven't allowed him to show us what he can do against guys who are in the same kind of time period in this sport as he is, we're never going to realize how good he is. Just keep constantly throwing to the lines is, is ridiculous. And and if they haven't learned a lesson now, they never will. Yeah, I was honestly impressed. In I was kind of caught off guard, not by the, the yes, the opponent, uh, and yes, uh, the like 
the, like the like he was still fighting at, at featherweight but the, it seems like a quick turnaround like january to june after a, a violent knockout loss like he was like put away and then he yeah you 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 said you you touched upon it but he was like don't put like you can put me in these in with these guys but it's gonna be a lot of hospital bills uh coming your way bellator and but we i mean casey and i were talking about this our the, our cameraman and uh, before the Valentina fight, like she needs to do something to like get like to to get these fans behind her. Like, and sometimes just you fights to show off. Like the level of competition might not be on your level, but you just need like a fight where you can just do crazy stuff and get on the highlights and build your highlight reel, grow, get your confidence, and get a new camp. Like I don't think people are talking about that enough. Like going from Antonio McKee to Greg Jackson is a pretty big jump. Uh, after spending your whole career training with this one coach, and now you're going into this super team, and you only spend six months training with him before you get a fight against a monstrous featherweight with an undefeated record. I don't know what Bellator is. I don't know what, like, I know Aaron Pico wouldn't turn down fights, but someone should have just sat him down and be like, hey, man, don't take this fight. Someone needs to take it out of his hands. Like, it feels like he's almost, uh, like, because he said it, we'll keep doing it. Like, that's what it felt like. If that was a step down, you know, you need to have a word with the matchmakers. Like, if they honestly thought Boris was going to be a walk in the park, that's crazy. That's, <laughs> no that's way. crazy. Look at the size of the dude. Just based on the physical stature of the guy, this isn't going to be easy. And uh, even yeah. though he made it look pretty easy up until the end of the fight, like, I mean, he was, he was so good in that fight. No one's done that to Adam. No one's done that to Adam. Right. And like, everyone, I mean, everyone kept saying that after Aaron Pico's loss to Henry Corrales, like he's one of the few fighters like him and Cody Garbrandt, like fight, fight more boring. <laughs> like don't go, out <laughs> yeah. don't go out there and just look to just decapitate your opponent right away. Like it happened with Cody Garbrandt against Pedro Munoz where, yeah, that fight was awesome, but he got knocked out. And then Aaron Pico also like obviously fought Henry Corrales and that fight was awesome, but he got knocked out and people were like, Hey man, like should probably stop getting in gunfights and put together a game plan. And then you saw that in the first round and he mm. looked great. Like it might've not, not may, might not have been exciting, but he definitely won that first round and then he got knocked out and he got caught. So, uh, Aaron Pico should, uh, I guess, fight more boring. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, like, I mean, when he has like, I completely commend him. The way he fought um in his first fights was was thrilling to watch. Like, oh my god, like it was it was edge of the seat stuff. We know he has that in his arsenal. Um, but it should be a showing phase at the moment. It shouldn't be a proving phase at the moment. It's a showcase. Let's see the showcase. We're forgetting that Conor McGregor got a got a title fight off the back of a fight with Dennis Seaver. Come yeah. on. There is a purpose for showcase fights, my friends. Yeah, one hundred one hundred percent. I mean, Michael Venom Page, his biggest opponent, like, well, yeah, he fought Paul Daly, but I don't think anyone saw the fight going that the way that <laughs> went. <laughs> but then he fought Douglas Lima and he looked great. But uh, then but all the way up until Douglas Lima, he was putting on these insane highlight fights and fans were like all week. All week of like, because I, I was there on the ground and I was talking to fans and media. Like, what fight are you most excited for? It wasn't Michael Chandler versus Pitbull. Mm. It, it it wasn't. It was, it was Michael. It wasn't Jake Hager who was also on the card. It wasn't uh, AJ McKee versus Pat Curran. Like like pro, prospect versus veteran. It was 
Michael Venom Page and Douglas Lima because they wanted to see Michael Venom Page after like 10 fights of just fighting in the Matrix, fighting against a high-level fighter who can do it all. And he looked great. And But that fight was so hyped. And then looking at the numbers, because that fight was also the same weekend as UFC 227 with Rose yes. and Andrade. And who do you think did the most, the biggest numbers on YouTube and, and Instagram and Twitter and Facebook? It was Michael Venom. Page who did the most numbers. So Aaron Pico should be a megastar. He should be a bigger star, but he should also, yes, you said it perfectly, should have show off fights to build that that confidence and get all the fans behind him. But we could talk about this forever. So Can I just make one more point on that, Jose? Absolutely, Pizzi. The one thing I'll say is people burying Aaron Pico at this stage of his career are absolutely they're they're idiots, right? Look look at look at James Gallagher, right? He loses to Ricky Bandeas. One fight later, one fight later, he is probably the most called out guy in the promotion. Every time I do a podcast, every week on Eurobash, if we have a Bellator fighter anywhere between Floyweight and 155, they're calling out James Geller. Who do you want next, James Geller? When you have that kind of intrigue in fighting you, you're far from gone. You're gone nowhere. Maybe your stock has even been elevated. So far from the end of Aaron Pico, far from the end of MVP, and as James Geller has already proven, far from the end of him. Yeah, Aaron Pico's not even 30 yet. Like He's not even no. close to 30. He has a lot of time to a get like figure out his his new camp and yeah four and three looks bad on paper but he's get three three more wins under his belt against in those show-off fights like you said he's even one even if he goes out there and just starches his next opponent after a a, a long break aaron p goes right back in the mix i mean he, he I wouldn't, I'd go as far as saying I wouldn't rule him out being a future Bellator champion. I'd still say that. Oh, absolutely not. Like, yeah. people have been saying he was a future Bellator champion before he even had a Bellator fight. Yeah. Like, it, he, like that's not going anywhere. But moving on. Uh, from our friend Lucian on MMAfighting.com. And people can leave comments uh, on the on the post. And we'll, we'll hit the – you can – if you see a question you like, you can recommend it. And when it's highlighted green – uh, we'll, we'll highlight those, but moving on from our friend Lucian salary comparison, greatest of summer days to the both of you fine gentlemen. Oh, thanks Lucian. Whoop, whoop. It's raining here. It's terrible. It's disgraceful weather, but let's move it on. Oh, it is a beautiful, cool, 108 degrees over here in Arizona. So I'll you think these freckles would last in the desert, my friend, I'd no, be born to live. You would die. <laughs> like yeah, R.I.P. P.C. Carroll, he died getting off the plane. <laughs> <laughs> but Lucian's question: Due to the ongoing Women's World Cup, I've read a lot of articles rega- regarding money and finances relating to that sport. Something that stuck stuck to me is that the highest woman's salary belongs to Norwegian Ada. Hegerberg, who funnily enough has refused to represent her country in the cup and whose club salary is 400,000 euros annually, ignoring sponsorships naturally. Thus, I was curious to hear from experts such as you that how does that, as you that, how does that annual salary of 400,000 euros compared to the UFC fighters' income, would you consider it average or good income in the sport, especially when you consider that training and at least partially healthcare costs are covered to the club and Hegerberg's case and hopefully you don't find the question formulation too silly just it seems a fun way to think about salaries there probably could have been some commas in there uh but <laughs> as someone over on that side of the pond 400 i don't know exchange rate whatsoever 
So be about, it will be about uh, $450,000. $450,000 for her club to play soccer or football, as you call it over there? Yeah. Well, like I'm, I'm just going to say straight away, if you could guarantee 90% of the fighters in the world, 95% of the fighters in the world, that much money per year, they take it. There is not a lot of people. There's still these these fighters are still grossly underpaid. I mean, it's ridiculous. Like, I mean, like a lot of people think that they've made it when they get to the UFC, and only when they start getting them paychecks do they understand that. Wow, this is after I pay everybody, after I pay the tax man, this is barely a living wage. I mean, this, this is a. Uh, I, I think payment is is going to continue to be a, a big issue among fighters. But um, let's not make a, like short of it that would be a huge amount of money for the vast 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 majority of mma fighters i believe anyway yeah absolutely i mean i i made this little graphic and i can't i can't remember the numbers off the top of my head of the ufc i believe it was 234 or 236 whichever one uh whichever one israel adesanya fought uh kelvin gaslam and those poirier and holloway it was the atlanta card uh of the disclosed payouts and there was a lot of uproar about how a lot of those undercard fighters. I mean, I think someone made like twelve thousand dollars to fight on the undercard. And some of, and I posted that picture to Instagram, and some of the fighters in the graphic commented on it with like crying faces. Uh, I won't obviously name them. Like you can go find name them. them, name them, name them. <laughs> and you can go find them if they want. But a lot of fighters were like, "Damn, like." Like Israel Adesanya got like I can't remember he got like maybe three hundred fifty thousand dollars or something like that off to fight Kelvin Gaslam in a crazy fight. But Kelvin Gaslam himself, something that stuck out with me, I believe after his Derek Brunson fight, where he used to be one of those guys that would be like, "Hey, uh, pay fighters more, pay fighters more, pay fighters more," and obviously fighters deserve to make way more than they're making now. But then he was like, "See, I was saying that." And then I got to the UFC and I realized that there's undisclosed bonuses for certain things outside of performance, bo performance of the night bonuses and stuff like that. So I have no idea how much money Israel Adesanya actually walked away with from that fight against Kelvin Gaslam. But just seeing fighters comment like sad emojis after seeing how much money they made was sh shocking to me. Yeah, it's no surprise to me, man, to be honest. Um, it's it's really it. When you when you explain like I can remember when Ireland uh, obviously got their first taste MMA through Connor, uh, I'd be doing radio shows with like Paddy Hula and Ashling Daly and people like this and like the the host the there would be general sports hosts that probably wouldn't know much about MMA and when they got into how much they made they're they're like you'd be lifting their jaws up off the ground you know they couldn't believe it like for the physical toll these guys take on their body the amount of time the selfishness they have to have in preparation and then to get paid like you know pittance in a lot of cases it's a bit of a joke it's definitely a joke you know but unfortunately that's the sport at the moment we're still new we're still getting there and you still have to pay gym fees you got to pay your coaches you got to do all that so yeah you make 50,000 say you make $50,000 a lot of that's going to go to your manager your agent your coach and the tax man the tax man. So there's a, especially like when, when the UFC was at 232 or two thirty that yeah, 232 went from Vegas to California. It was the whole oh, yeah. picogram thing. Like a lot of the questions were, were, were like, there is a huge increase in tax taxes. <laughs> oh from, shit. <laughs> from California to Vegas. Like, and somebody goes, Dana, like, what are you going to do about this? And Dana's like, well, I'm getting taxed too. Now <laughs> Thanks, man. Oh, well, that's fine then. <laughs> Thanks, man. <laughs> Thanks, man. All right.
we're gonna do one we're gonna do another one on the site and then we'll go to some true false but from our friend ninja trees all right love your name Good afternoon, A-side. So I was thinking about Tony Ferg potentially getting skipped over by a Connor for by Connor for a title fight. Do you think Tony for Tony's sake, the ideal situation would be Habib loses to Poirier, then Tony would fight Dustin and Habib and Connor would fight? Or do you think they should just give Connor the title fight no matter what the result of Habib versus Dustin is? And I'm gonna answer this right now. Tony Ferguson should not take any other fight. Unless it's for a UFC title fight. I mean, I said this last week when I with, with Brian Kelleher when he was the co-host. The last time Tony Ferguson lost in the UFC, women weren't even on the roster. Jesus. Like, his last loss came before Ronda Rousey's debut in the UFC. So he already has the longest winning streak in lightweight history. He has like the long, one of the longest winning streaks in UFC history. And now people are saying like, oh, you should fight Justin Gaethje. Oh, you should fight the loser. Like imagine a world where the UFC goes, hey, Tony, fight Justin Gaethje. And then you get a title shot. Like, no, no. Joke. Tony Ferguson should not fight anyone else besides the UFC lightweight champion of the world. And even Habib Nurmagomedov himself said like, someone asked him like oh what what about connor asked for a rematch and he's like why he had he hasn't won a fight in like since he beat eddie at ufc 205 which yeah that was one of the greatest performances i've ever seen from a fighter in terms of actual like yeah the promo was great but connor pitched the perfect game in there Mm -hmm. um but even habib was like tony ferguson is on the line for both of us like the winner's gonna fight tony uh yeah like maybe if it's an exciting fight to do an immediate rematch that could that's always a possibility especially with ufc but uh, as someone who's covered Conor McGregor probably more than anyone in this business, uh, do you think the possibility of him skipping the queue again to get a title shot is a possibility? I don't agree with it. I think it makes zero sports sense. I think it's a completely a business move. But unfortunately, yeah, I do think there's a possibility that he will get the next fight, the, the next crack of Khabib. Do I agree with it? Absolutely not. Uh, I've been shouting at the, from the hilltops about Tony Ferguson now for a long time. Maybe I wasn't the biggest fan of his erratic personality, first of all, but I've slowly grown to uh, appreciate it. But it's an absolute travesty what's happening there. You can't help but think the fact that he was with Connor's management company, uh, Paradigm. You can't you can't help but think that was affecting him negatively ahead of, well, in his previous bids to get a title fight. It's the fight that should happen. Um, unfortunately, Khabib and Tony have an awful history <laughs> when it comes down to making that fight happen. But it's a joke. It's a joke. And and it, it's, it literally underlines how, how the UFC have gone more and more towards entertainment than sport. And the way to get this sport legitimized is to go towards a sport angle. You guys have it legitimized over there in the US. You guys have it. Like people know what this is. In Europe, it's still very hard. And when you have to start explaining things to them where there's this guy that's a complete outlier in the sport, but he's not somehow allowed to fight for the title because this other guy is going to make them a whole lot more money. You know, it, it's tough. It, it's it's tough. And um, I don't expect it to be a smooth path for Tony Ferguson to get to a title shot. And and you know what I mean? I, I, I do feel as though if you're Conor McGregor and you bring so many eyes to this and you potentially create stars uh, based on whoever you get in the cage with, is it worth your while to fight anyone else but the champion? If you if you have had this dip in form from the Alvarez fight where he looked unbeatable to the Khabib fight where he looked very, very beatable, do you risk it by going in there with someone else, potentially losing, and then have to have an even bigger trudge back to the title? 
that doesn't make sense if you're Conor McGregor. And, and unfortunately, it probably doesn't make sense if you're the UFC either. The most money they can make right now is putting Khabib and him, for better or for worse, probably for worse, back in a cage together. And um, I wouldn't rule out that happening. So and Ninja Trees also asked, is it in Tony's best interest that Habib loses to Dustin Poirier? So perhaps like if, if Dustin loses, then he'll fight Dustin for the undisputed title. And then that now that Habib is no longer undefeated and no longer the champion, maybe is Connor more interested in righting the wrong of that loss rather than winning the title again? And they rematch. So is it in Tony's best interest, Tony Ferguson's best interest, that Dustin Poirier wins in Abu Dhabi? This is a hard one because obviously Dustin and Connor have history as well. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. the fact that Connor's knocked Dustin out in two, 2014, um, you know, who knows? He might send out a tweet that night and everything gets very exciting all over again. And thousands of people retweet it along with their pictures of proper 12. And, um, you know, it's hard to know. It's very hard to know. As, as we know, this this sport changes rapidly. It, it changes on a daily basis. Like, it, it's crazy to even think about it. But I wouldn't rule out if Dustin won that fight, Connor wanting to fight Dustin and doing that rematch before it came back around to Khabib. I wouldn't rule it out, certainly. Like, it's a better style fight for him, too. I mean, he gets to fight within his wheelhouse. We saw what happened when he was forced to fight within... Khabib's wheelhouse like it wasn't good even when he got back to his feet in the third round it wasn't good you know so I think there's a lot to think about it like this man is is far more than a fighter he's a brand and um I think people forget about that an awful lot like what's good for the brand you know yeah and honestly if we're looking at just in-ring abilities and like high level well, Ferguson, Ferguson if for skill was like 100% I mean well but I'll watch I'll watch Connor versus any of those guys. I'll watch Tony versus any of those yeah. guys. All of those fights are crazy. Like all of those fights are awesome. But in, like you said, in terms of what's right, Tony Ferguson versus fill in the blank UFC lightweight champion. Like I don't care who has the title. Like for all we know, it's a draw, and they like Habib retains. Fight Tony Ferguson. Though actually, I'm still on record, and I'll say this forever. Like I don't think that fight will ever happen because I am a strong believer in um reverse psychology where if i if i get really excited about a fight it usually never happens it never happens so i am on record and i'll stick with it that that fight will never happen why didn't you say last week happen it probably will (laughs) you should have said last week that brendan lock nine will never get a contract off this dana white tuesday night contender series thing someone asked me a question about brendan i need to talk about it please and if we don't I'll give you all the time in the world because I, as soon as I, because I, we, we planned this A side out like a week ago. As soon as he didn't get the contract, I was like, I know what PT's rant is going to be. I know I what it's going to be. So if you're watching this, hop on Twitter and be like, PT, tell me, <laughs> tell me about the contender series. And then I'll like, it's all yours. So, but. True, we're gonna do some true false real quick and then I'll all right one final uh run through the page and then we'll hop over to twitter true false korean zombie beats hanato hanato morikano at usc greenville i will say true i will say true korean zombie was winning that whole fight i was there for that that's the one of the craziest things i have ever witnessed in any sport was korean zombie versus yaya rodriguez and 
Uh, that fight was absolutely awesome. That was my favorite fight of 2018. He was winning that entire fight until literally the last second of the fight. So I will say true because every time I think, like even when he came off from that that last long layoff, he knocked out Damage Bermudez uh, on the, the the Super Bowl card in Houston. So Kate, ring octagon rust wasn't a thing. So I will say true. Uh, Korean Zombie gets back on the win column uh, against Anato Moicano. Yeah, I, I, I like. I think it's a very close fight. Like, I mean, look at Moicano. Like, he's right there. Um, he's at the top of the division until that loss to Aldo. And I, I love Korean Zabi. I've been a huge fan of him ever since his WEC days. Like, so I wouldn't rule it out. I'll say false just to be controversial. So me and Jose can duke it out online about this later. But um, yeah, I think it's a very close fight. Fair enough. And moving on, you've actually you watch a lot of Ryzen for the site, so this will this will be in your wheelhouse. All right. Hopefully. Yoji Horiguchi defending both Bellator and Ryzen titles will not work. Bonus, ben Bellator will create an interim title in the process. True. True to both? Sorry, I, I thought Bellator will create an interim title, I believe. And, and, and you don't I believe... Think, yeah, so you don't think him... He, you don't think he can defend both titles simultaneously? I think he's probably going to do, you know, aim to defend both every year, you know, two fights. And uh, it might go awry. And as soon as it does, they're going to be huge calls from the bantamweight division to keep it moving and get a get a title going. But um, yeah, that's what I think. And you can always have Bellator fighters go over to Ryzen and challenge him for the. It's Ryzen. great, man. I love it. I really love that, man. I really, really love it. I think it's so cool. I mean, we wish the UFC would get involved, but <laughs> not as, as long as Dana White's in charge. It's never going to happen. But like, I agree. I agree with you, man. Like Darren Caldwell loses to Kyoji Horiguchi in a ring. There are obviously questions like, oh, did the ring play a factor? So they're like, let's run it back in a, in a cage. And mm. whether you agree with the decision or not, Kyoji Horiguchi won. But yeah, I agree with you 100%. I love not just Ryzen versus Bellator cards, but I love like, oh, this guy won in a cage, just throw it in a ring now and see who's really the best. Do you think that in any way, the fact that they were unifying these two big promotional belts made that m fight more exciting to watch, made it more tense? Because if you were just looking at that as if it were a contest, and we didn't know who those guys were. We wouldn't, and the belts weren't involved, nothing like that. Nobody would really be talking about this. But with the fact that those titles were involved, the fact that it nearly feels like something really significant is happening in MMA when this fight is happening, I think that made it feel more exciting. It made it more tense. So when Horiguchi's on the ground struggling against those takedowns, it, it kind of makes it more, I don't know, it, it feels like a lot's riding on every second of that fight, you know? Oh, absolutely. Titles will always make a fight matter more. But when you're yeah. making, like when you're making history where mm. you're taking titles from two like a promotion and like a, and a federation or whatever Ryzen wants to refer to themselves as like, yeah, 100 percent. It just reminds me of like when when Dan Henderson fought yes. Silva or and Dan Henderson also fought Rampage. So when they were unified, going over to Pride and all yeah, that kind of stuff, when the Pride belts are unified with the UFC belts like that felt to me. Like, I remember having, like, I didn't sit down when Anderson Silva walked out. I was like, oh, man, this is, I am so hyped for this fight because I love, like, it's all, there's always like that who has the better fighters. It's always yes. like that. That's why I, obviously, I don't know how much you pay attention to American baseball, but no. before, <laughs> before they would have the American League and the National League, and they never played, they play each other like once for a two week span, but you'd play the same teams every year. So, like, the American League East would always play the National League East. Right. right. And then in the World Series, you get these two. Where only one country is involved, just for the, the underlying. The World Series where one country is involved. Thank you, America. Go ahead. Sorry. Hey, man. 
That's a whole nother kind. If you want to talk baseball, we can talk for hours. But the World Series also always had these two teams that more, more, more times than not never played against each other, had players who never played against each other. So you'd have like this unbelievable hitter and this unbelievable pitcher. And like, oh, what would happen if they finally faced each other? And it just felt like a really all like, yeah, because the championship was on the line, obviously, but you got these awesome dream mm-hmm. matchups that you never that you'd always wanted. So I signed me up for all the co-promotion in the world. I love everything about it because I'm mad. Like even so I posted this this clip to Instagram of Kyoji Horiguchi with the two belts. And I said, what's next for the the new champ champ of MMA? And you know who the first comment, the first comment was? Conor McGregor. Henry, Henry Cejudo saying he don't want this smoke. And I was like, oh man, oh I, my want God. I want that fight so bad. Like the winner <laughs> gets three belts, and then Henry Cejudo's head gets even bigger, both physically and metaphorically. So he's a quadruple champion with three belts and a gold medal. Like so oh, imagine. Oh. Imagine if he could get involved, man. It would be brilliant, man. I love what Henry's doing. It would be great if he could get involved in this, man, because he's bringing so much attention to those lighter weight classes, like him or hate him, whatever you want. He, he definitely is, you know. Yeah, I mean, he even in his his media luncheon before his fight with Marlon, someone mm. asked him about co-promotion. He says, "Bring Darren Caldwell over, bring Kyoji Horiguchi over, like bring them all on. I'll I'll take all their necks." And mm. I was like, "Wow!" Like Henry Cejudo going to fight Kyoji Horiguchi like in a ring with four, three champions on the line. Like I'm all about it. But Jose, they were looking for a reason to get guys to watch this division back in the day. Surely this is the way to do it. If you're going to make one exception for one weight division, let's make it this one, you know, because you were nearly going to kill the whole thing. This makes it mean way more. If you're allowing the, the flyweight dudes or the bantamweight dudes to do this, it adds a completely different dimension to the division. Even if it's going to be one loophole for those guys, that's the way to do it. Well, pizza, you're ma- the problem is you're making sense. And no, that's I'm not allowed in the UFC. <laughs> Don't be ridiculous. Me making sense. Now I know you're making fun of me. <laughs> like, this is a, the same promotion that, like, remember we almost had Randy Couture. Like, we could have had Randy Couture versus Fedor back in the day. And, oh, like, Dana man. White didn't want to. Like, to me, that's one of the biggest missed opportunities in the history of combat sports, like boxing and MMA. Like, obviously, Anderson versus George is a bigger one because they were actually under the same roof. But, like, Dana White's refusal to co-promote, I think, like, I get it. Like, he want, like I get it. But I wish he wouldn't do it. We waited so long, way too long for Vandalay and Chuck as well. I felt oh, like that. we waited way, way too long for that fight to happen. And if it had happened a few years earlier, would it have been even better? But the fight was fantastic. Don't get me wrong, but it could have been even better, you know? I mean, just off of that, remember when he sent Chuck Liddell over to be in the Pride tournament? Yeah, yeah. Like, he's done it before. Like, he w- and yeah. he was there. And like he was upset when Chuck lost, lost obviously. I, he lost to Rampage, I believe. Over like, him. Was it over him? I think he beat over him oh, and lost. Beat over him, lost the rampage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, sorry. because then they rematched in Bellat in the UFC and Rampage knocked knocked him out for the title, and that was kind of the beginning of the end for yeah. Chuck Liddell's reign atop the light heavyweight division. But he's done it before. Like when they do another Grand Prix in Ryzen, like maybe the fourth, like the New Year's Eve one, like just send Henry Cejudo over to represent the UFC, and like I imagine him and Kyoji Horiguchi would be on opposite ends and they can fight in the championship for everything because then Henry Cejudo comes back and he has three belts and he's like, I'm like... If potentially, Henry, potentially comes back with three belts. Potent, exactly. And then <laughs> even if he loses, now Kyoji Horiguchi is the one of the... Like now we're talking about Kyoji Horiguchi being one of the greatest combat sport athletes of all time. Is it Kyoji Horiguchi a bigger name because of his Bellator and Risen 
success than he was when he was in the UFC. I think so. Uh, I do as well. That should that should scare them. That should that should worry them. Honestly, you should yeah, be very I, afraid, UFC. Yeah, when Dana White did an interview with uh, Aaron Bronstead, I want to like I want to give him credit for it. But shout out. Yeah, they uh, he asked him about like the recent like roster cuts, like Elias and Justin Willis and all that. Uh, Elias Theodoro and Dana was saying like, when have I been wrong to let these guys walk away or go? And I was like, and my first thing was like Hyoji Horiguchi. Like mm. that's a bad, he's a bad dude. And yeah, he lost to Mighty Mouse, but like, I think he fought, fought Mighty Mouse a little too soon. Uh, and that was an exciting fight up until he got submitted. It, it wasn't like he was getting look, crushed. Look at KSW's success they're having with the UK market now because they have Scott Askham and Phil DeFreeze, two UFC guys who are cut. Yeah. And now they're the champions and now they're helping them move in and sell out like a 15,000 seater in the UK. So I mean, if you don't see that as a as a as a bad decision, I don't know. You know, sorry, I'll, go ahead. I'll present this to you. Who's had, who's a bigger deal, or who's had the most? Like in your mind, was a bigger loss for the UFC? Kyoji Horiguchi, who's now the Bellator and Ryzen champ, or Ryan Bader, who is now a heavyweight and light heavyweight champ and took zero punches during the heavyweight Grand Prix. Who's the bigger but loss? Like I feel like Haraguchi now, but this could be because of the the revisionist history goes out the window in MMA because it's just here's a fight week, here's a fight week, and yeah. and what's freshest in your your memory, right? Like, uh, but I certainly would feel now based on all the traction, based on all the conversation, I'd say Haraguchi because it didn't feel the same over here. Certainly, even when Bader was was doing that to Fedor, it it didn't really have the same impact here. Yeah, and I. I'll play. I, I agree with you, but I'll play devil's advocate. The UFC doesn't really have a lot of fly. Obviously, they have less than enough to even field a full top 15. Mm. But the light heavyweight division has a full top 15, and they're hurting for title contenders. I mean, oh, a lot of we've obviously seen a mass exodus of middleweights jump over to light heavyweight. So, like Anthony Smith and Thiago Santos uh, are now fighting for fought, fighting for championships, and they were middleweights. If Ryan Bader was there, he'd be right he'd be right at the top. I mean, he'd probably already fought for a championship now. So uh, in terms of, in the world of UFC looking for fights, I, I'll play devil's African and say Ryan Bader, but it's, uh, I think both, he, Dana White got both of them wrong when he let them walk. <laughs> yeah, I'll agree with that. <laughs> wow, that, that was a, that was a true false question. We talked for like 20 minutes on that. So, true. I mean, false. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll hit these quick. All right. By the end of 2020, both Heather Hardy and Aaron Pico will not be in Bellator. False. Yeah, I agree with you. We, we talked about Aaron Pico forever, and Heather Hardy's an exciting fighter, and she always has her boxing career to, to fall back on. But uh, they'll both be sticking around. Uh, Scott Coker likes those type of fighters for these, the, especially these big tent pole events where he can put on these fun matchups. Uh, true, false. Chael P makes a comeback, probably against Tito Ortiz. I'll say false because Tito Ortiz is apparently signing Combate Americas, and I do not see Chael Sonnen signing with Combate Americas. I'll go against all prevailing wisdom when it comes to MMA retirements and say false as well. Right, because who actually retires? Though Chael seems to be a straight shooter when it yeah. well, I guess he did retire basically. <laughs> so he I'm did. walking myself into a corner now, but I'll say false. I'll say false to fighting Tito, but I wouldn't rule out the the American gangster coming back for for another fight, obviously in Bellator. He did say he was a big Bellator. Uh, he was a Bellator through and through right now. But final one, true, false. UFC 232 is too good to remain intact until July 6th. And I'll start. 
I'm going to say true because, like I said before, I'm a big believer in a reverse psychology, and I am a pessimist, a glass-half-empty type of guy. So I'm going to say it is way too good to be true. We've been burned way too many times in the past, and I will not be confident this fight will remain intact until John Jones and Tiago Santos are out of the octagon and the fight's over. Go again. Hit, hit me with that one again. Sorry, I lost uh, my focus for a brief second. Is UFC 239 too good to be true? Will it stay intact up until July? You're asking us to curse the gods here, really. Exactly. So um, I don't even, I don't even know how to answer that to, to, to not upset the gods. What like I mean, I'll just agree with whatever Jose said and move on. Yeah, I don't I don't think it's gonna stay intact strictly because, like you said, I don't want to anger the fight gods, which is why I also don't think Do these people not realize what they're doing here? They're tempting fate. This is not us. You can't blame us for this. We've been asked these questions and Brian <laughs> Tucker has guns pointed at us, and if we don't answer them, we're gonna be executed. <laughs> <laughs> which is why I also don't think Nate Diaz is going to fight Anthony Pettis because I love that fight too much and the fight gods do not let me have nice things. <laughs> Look, see what Jose does for you guys. See what he does for you. He looks after all of us. Fair play, Jose. Again, hey, completely agree with you and all onus is on you, not me. I'm just looking out for the common fight fan, but I think we've wrapped up all the comments. So we're going to hop over to Twitter. Let's see, we actually got a bunch. <clears throat> couple Horaguchi questions, which we hit upon. Uh, uh, compare the oh from our friend Dan Shapiro. Compare the last two UFC pay-per-views, UFC 238 and UFC 237 and 238 versus Bellator 221 and 222. Are we witnessing a true leveling of the playing field? This is an interesting question. Yes, yeah. Bellator 221 was an awesome main card. Like it had some obviously great prelim fights, but the main card was awesome. You had Chandler Pitbull. We had uh, uh, Lima versus. Um, MVP. Uh, we had uh, Jake Hager. We had AJ McKee versus Pat Curran. Like that was an awesome fight card. And then on that same weekend, we had the the Rio de Janeiro card, which is like Rose versus Andrade, Cannonier versus Anderson Silva, Jose Aldo versus uh, Alexander Volkanovsky. And then Bellator comes like their next event is that, or their next big event was the New York one, two twenty two, which we, we've been talking about forever. And then Bellator, uh, UFC also had that pretty awesome event in Chicago. That was brilliant. That was a, that was a very good event, to be fair. Which, Cowboy Cerrone versus Tony Ferguson wasn't even in the main or co-main event. So is this a leveling of the field or just an anomaly that we've gotten two incredible tentpole events back-to-back from both promotions? I'd say if it was Bellator, I'd definitely say it was. You know, <laughs> i definitely think it was trending in that direction and that's a good thing for the sport in general to have these guys even even that this is a question that needs thought is a good situation for uh, bellator 100 um i do agree that bellator 221 was a lot more prevalent in europe than um ufc 237 and that's huge i can't tell you how huge that is jose because nobody knows like as a, like People need to, like, the brand awareness with Bellator needs to be hammered home. And when you have people tuning in for this on Sky Sports at 3 a.m., that's a huge deal for Bellator over here. I feel like that that's really, really important for them. So I felt like that had a big impact over here. And so did last weekend's card because there was no UFC to, to really compete with it, you know? So um, I certainly think... Um, based on those four events, I'd have to agree with Dan completely. But... Um, do do I see that being a regular occurrence um, from now on? 
I think that's harder to to uh, see. It's harder to forecast. I really hope so, but uh, certainly a good sign uh, based on the last four events. And I'll I'll present you with this scenario. I asked uh, Alex K. Lee this on my first show. That guy knows nothing about anything. <laughs> um, <laughs> while I do agree, the last two of Bellator events have been pretty have been amazing. They've been, I think, two of the best back to back events they've ever put together. But did they use all of their headlining talent in a very short amount of time? And are they yeah. going to be hurting down the line? Because I remember uh, UFC 205, which was Connor versus Eddie, also had Joanna versus uh, Karolina Kolokiewicz. They had Tyron Woodley versus Wonderboy. But that card also had Habib, Chris Weidman. Uh, Chris Weidman, Romero, and all that. So like that card was unbelievable. And then beginning of December, they had the Toronto card, which had Max versus Anthony Pettis for the interim. Uh, uh, featherweight championship at the time, and then I believe that also had Korean one, a Superboy versus Cub Swanson. How can you remember this, man? How can you and even then, remember this? Oh, you don't even know. My brain just—that's all I all I think about is the hit, these fight events. And then later that month was Ronda Rousey versus Amanda Nunes, Cody versus Dominic Cruz. You also, I believe, Overeem. No, Overeem Mark Hunt was later in March, but you had all these really big events back to back to back to back in a short amount of time. And then January comes around and they have to cancel the pay-per-view because they didn't have any fighters. Right. to headline. Because right. also I believe um, De- uh, Demetrius Johnson defended his title against Tim Elliott in that top. Cause that was the, when all the champions of other promotions came in the house and Tim Elliott won and then fought Demetrius Johnson. I believe that, that was, was a great November. fight. Yeah. Awesome fight. Mm-hmm. That was in November. So they used a lot of champions in a very short amount of time Michael Bisping thought we thought he might headline it, but he said eventually he was like her, and then he didn't fight again until he fought George St. Pierre. So, is this scenario going to happen with Bellator where they viewed so much talent in a very short amount of time that like these next few events might not be the best? Yeah, that's what I think. That that's exactly what I think. Like, I mean, it's great for now for the time being, but do I see it lasting? I hope it does, but I doubt it to be honest. Yeah, it's uh, I, this is this is where we really see what uh, Bellator can do. All right, so another question from Twitter: Do you know what? A, oh, before I ask this question, do you know what an SB is, Pizzi? No. <laughs> so an SB is a. It's like in the Academy Awards for sports here in America, where it's hosted by ESPN. Where they'll do like best team, best athlete like male athlete female athlete but it's not it's not like in individual sports so like you could have lebron james and like roger federer up for male athlete of the year uh but for fighter of the year who deserves an sp amanda Nunet for uh, this is 2018 obviously so up until december 31st 2018 uh, who deserves the sp amanda nunez daniel cormier henry cejudo or israel adesanya for fighter of the year amanda probably right I would have to say it's Amanda or Daniel Cormier. Daniel Cormier did knock out Stipe, and then he also defended his – people forget that 2018 he defended his title against Volkhozimir <laughs> and defended his title against Derek Lewis. So in my mind, I'd probably say Daniel Cormier, but Amanda Nunes is – it's like 1A, 1B because Amanda Nunes is knocking out. Chris Cyborg blew my mind. Yeah, it pisses me off so much that the, the UFC haven't found a way – to uh, market Amanda better. Like, I mean, she's an unbelievable story. Absolutely unbelievable. Um, now, I do want to, yeah. I'll say this though, and I don't know if you watched it, but I was at the UFC Apex. I, I've, it was a very difficult 
like tore because the, the felt like every uh, hallway was very narrow. So we all the media was like bumping into Just each you. Other. You're too big, Jose. You're six foot seven, man. Come on. Yeah, right. You you, you don't realize <laughs> that I'm standing behind a I'm standing <laughs> in front of a ten foot bookshelf right here, but. <laughs> So I was I was filming this. It was very shaky because we were all bumping into each other. But Dana White basically brings us to like his quote unquote like office area. It's just like a little couch spot, and he has two paintings up, or like their pictures blown up and stylized. He has two. He has Connor and Floyd staring down, and he has Amanda Nunes running around the octagon with their titles. Those are the only yeah. pictures he has, and they're massive. They're huge. It's an entire wall. So if you haven't seen it or anyone watching this hasn't seen it, go watch the little Apex tour I gave you because that seems to be the only room that was done being built. And he had and someone asked him, "Go, why Amanda?" Like obviously we get Connor Floyd because it was an important moment. That picture just looks awesome. But like, why Amanda? And he's like, "Well, you know, me and Amanda have like a good relationship, and I really like her. This and that." And in my mind, that I was like, it clicked. I was like. Then why aren't you? What are you doing with her? Like you mean like you mean he doesn't have he doesn't have a picture of Ben Askren there? No, no picture of Funky Ben Askren. <laughs> it's it's uh it's weird though. So yeah, I'll say I'll say Daniel Cormier. You're saying Amanda. Yeah. All right. That, that so, covers us across all bases, right? Correct. And Good. I don't know if like if they're saying only 2018, I don't know why Henry Cejudo would be in there. I can't even think back that far. I'm I'm glad you're here because <laughs> I'd be just like I don't know. You don't. Khabib. <laughs> Khabib, he, Khabib fought how many times? He fought in 20. He beat once maybe. Twice he beat Ally Quinta and then he beat Connor. Oh yeah, okay, yeah. So uh, and he was like that Ally Quinta. He was he went through like five opponents. I can't even imagine writing a main event breakdown that fight week because you probably <laughs> changed it seven or eight times. Uh, so I, ju- I did jump back to the the site the the uh, the post on the page and this wasn't recommended, but I do want to get your opinion. It is in the headline: uh, Arts and Lobov versus Pauli Malinaji, bare knuckle boxing. Uh, Casey and Esther are actually going to Tampa to to do some stuff, like film it and shoot it. So, what are your thoughts? Obviously, Artem has the Connor rub. Friend, training part, longtime friend, training partner. This fight was basically made because of Polly's antics during the uh, Connor Floyd lead up, and then Artem obviously went to BKFC, and it seems like a no-brainer that this fight would eventually happen. Uh, what do you think about this? And does the country of Ireland care? Yeah, I feel like I've said this a lot on Eurobash. Like my friends would be sports fans; like they'd be far more big into soccer. Uh, and uh, Irish sports than they would be, say, UFC and boxing and stuff like that. But all they've been talking about since this was announced was, can we come over to your house when Artem's fighting, Paulie? Can we watch the fight? Oh, my God. They are going crazy about it. Now, these guys aren't kind of – they are fully invested in in the kind of sense that – the traction the press conference got, all the outrageous stuff that's been happening. And at the same time, I, I believe the boxing community have really been frowning upon it. Like, because Paulie is, you know, he was a world champion. They know him from the Showtime broadcasts and, you know, they feel like he's probably let himself down a bit. But what I see happening here, and I fully agree that this is, the popularity of this fight is really based on what happened in the preparation for Maymac. But what it's doing I'll tell you what Paulie's behavior is making. It's making people feel like Artem is some kind of savior. It's kind of pushing him up as this cult hero that's uh, that's going to sort it out. Like, I mean, this is a crazy concept. We're talking about Artem Loboff boxing 
Pauli Malinaji, and everybody's like, oh, Artem's going to do him. It's insane that it's happening. It's the interest in this it has completely blown my mind. And I think I can remember you and uh, Sean talking about it when he was still doing the A-side. And, and you are completely right. This is probably, for me anyway, when I'm talking about the casual people I see in the street, not the crazy MMA crackheads like us, this is the fight that they're talking about. This is the fight that has somehow provoked their interest. And um, what was the initial question? Because I've gone off on a tangent. Are people interested? Yes. Yes, they are. How how do how how do people watch it over in Ireland? Like I know we have different like broadcasting rights and all that. Buy it off the the lovely people at Fight TV. Um, so what do you think about? It's like it's forty dollars. Yeah. What do you make of the like people on people are tweeting at me like this should be like it should be twenty dollars. It should be fifteen dollars. Is forty dollars too much for Pauli Malinaji versus Artem Lobov? Um, you see, you're asking the wrong guy because we don't have um, we don't have them kind of price points over here. We just pay a subscription once a year, really? and then um, it's gone. And that's why the fact that they're going to charge us an extra price for UFC two three nine has been very controversial over here. People are losing their minds about it, and rightly so. We've paid you once; we don't want to pay you again. But um, I couldn't tell you exactly how much it costs over here. I'm going to try and get it up very quickly because usually it's at a lower price point for us, right? Because we, we're here. We're going to be watching this at probably 3 a.m. or something like that. So usually it's a bit lower than that. Um, but uh, I don't I don't quite know. It's, it is. It's coming up to me $40 as well. So there you go. It's a universal price. And that's going to be tough. That's going to be very tough to get people to buy it over here, to be honest. Well, we're going to watch it regardless because we just love anarchy, especially when it's in... I don't know how much you know about Florida, know about but Florida is not looked upon very well here in the States. It's usually, it's usually <laughs> it's called the armpit of America. I obviously don't want to call it that because I don't want to be mean to the people of Florida. Danny uh, Segura, our good co- uh, co-worker, is from that. Is from Florida. So I don't want to go into the whole, is Florida the worst state? But a lot of people don't like Florida, and a lot of people in particular don't really like Tampa. Uh, and that is where this fight is taking. So I said, I went to someone who I told him where the fight was happening. And I told him about it. Bare knuckle boxing between uh, this fighter who doesn't have the best MMA record against a professional boxer, a former professional boxer. And this was made completely because he yelled at his training partner. And I go, where do you think this fight is taking place? And they said, probably Florida. And I go, wow. <laughs> and I go, what what city do you think it is? And they're like, hmm. Probably Tampa. And I was like, wow. Like, you hit it right on the head. So uh, <laughs> they're doing it right, I guess, over in bare-knuckle boxing. But I, I'll ask this. This isn't a question. Where does bare-knuckle boxing go after this? Like, Because this seems to be like the big fight that everyone was kind of like when Artem signed and then Pauly signed. Like, this seemed to be a no-brainer. But once they fight, what else can they do? How many more sparring partners can we get to call in from the Mayweather uh, McGregor camp is, is the real question, right? <laughs> Make a whole card. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it's it's look, it's good for them, though, in the sense that everybody's talking about it. Like, this is a thing like it, this isn't like, oh, this is going to happen and nobody's going to talk about it. Like the traction these things are getting is huge, right? Like you see the numbers, like the, the traction this stuff is getting is huge. And and I just want to say somewhat. um Selfishly, because they're my co-workers, I think Casey and Esther put that organization on the map. 
when they went there for the first event and they took all these beautiful pictures, made these beautiful films, I think that put it on, on the radar in a way that maybe nobody else in the world could do. And, and it made them look serious when you have professionals like that hanging around and, and making such beautiful art out of it. I think that helped them a whole lot. And I think that was the perfect launch pad to be featured on our site when they're trying to get into this industry. That's really um, a retirement home for MMA fighters at this stage. Let's be honest. Like, I mean, that's that's what all the fights have on this card. Chris Lieben, Brennan Ward, I could go on, Johnny Bedford, you know, that that's what it is. And like, I, I don't know where it goes from here, but... I really hope they have something for us during this event that will provoke interest in the next event. I feel like they need a big announcement here some way, somehow, or they need something big to happen that will provoke interest like Paul E. V. V. Artem. Do I see it happening immediately? Probably not. This is this is a this is a weird commodity. As I, I believe you and Sean had said, this is basically the sequel to UFC 229. And um, I've seen the power of that in the Miles Price and Peter Queeley fight at Bellator Dublin. I know it's real. So, yeah, fingers crossed that the organization have their wits about them, though they can announce something big while this fight is going on before or after or whatever. Yeah, I mean, I looked, I was doing social media for, not, like, for our site during that, that card. And, like, we posted a picture of... Artem's face, or this is the most re- the the the, the, mo- the prior card, the Jason Knight one, yeah, yeah, Jason Knight and Artem, and it was like the aftermath. It was like all their their face all like carved up and stuff, and that's one of the like that cracked the top ten of most liked images on our entire site, like overnight. Like, and it was the comments blew up, and then I the we had a little video clip of like just just highlights of them fighting inside the ring with bare knuckles, and that blew up too. So it's uh. Artem Lobov headlining the two biggest cards in bare knuckle boxing history. It's obviously in 2019, it's uh, Artem is just cementing himself as a champion of the people. <laughs> what happens here, though? This is what I was thinking about today. If Artem goes back and decides he wants to do MMA after this fight, I can you can nearly guarantee he's going to be commanding a big paycheck, right? 100%. Like after provoking so much interest in this, like look at where he was going to. He was on an entry level. UFC contract coming off the ultimate fighter and now he's in this situation where you know he's saying he's making six figures off this fight this is this has been a great career move for Artem Lobov I know his record doesn't change we all know that people endlessly complain about his um his record but we know look we've been talking about it all day this sport is is veering more towards entertainment day by day I think he commands a huge paycheck if he decides to go back to MMA after this but does he see the point? Is is he going to be able to generate enough money here? If you're bare knuckle boxing or bare knuckle FC, you certainly don't want them going anywhere else, and you'd you'd probably pay him to stay, right? I would imagine so. And uh, from my few interactions directly with Artem, he doesn't seem like a guy that would really turn down fights. I think he just likes to fight, uh, regardless of who it is. So I think he would like to fight. But I agree with you. He needs if, imagine like imagine if he wins, like if he beats Pauli Malinaji, like he he has to like wherever he goes. Like, if I'm Bellator, I'd be like, come on down. Headline all of our Dublin cards. Headline all of our, like, UK cards. Like, just, oh, just Bellator, we're 100% looking for Artem Lobov. Like, when you Absolutely. think about the... Uh, like you, you look at the the amount of talent they've uh, got over here. They were definitely pitching Artem Lobov, trying to get him, but he ends up with bare knuckle FC. That says to me that they are paying him a lot of money, a lot of money, and, and he deserves it. Look at his face. <laughs> and I don't know the bare knuckle boxing's financial situation, but if, if they can keep it up, 
and they can keep giving Artem Lobov six figures. And like, if I'm Artem, 100%, I'm taking that. But we are out of questions. We're running close on time. No one asked any questions about right. the contender yeah. series. Right. So, PT, we said it before. I knew what was coming. I as soon as I read, as soon as I heard in the arena who the contract winners were and who was not. I knew what you were what your promo was going to be. So, PT, the floor is yours because I know you're going to want to use all the time you have to 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 cut to to go scorched earth on Dana White. It's an absolute disgrace that Brendan Lochnane wasn't signed last night. It's an absolute disgrace. He has been on a six-year road to get an opportunity to fight for these guys again. This man has had his heart ripped open by the sport. In his six years away from the UFC, he lost one fight. They didn't give him an opportunity. He was about 20 years. He must have been 22 at the time. He has, he has put together a record of 12-2, and two, and I've written it down here so I know. His combined... Records. If you look at the opponents he beat on that 12 and 2 run, their combined records are 123, 54, and 2. Okay? Yesterday, Dana White, Dana White comes out and he says, Look, you know, I gave this heavyweight guy a contract because he bet the number eight Greco Roman wrestler in America. Brendan Lochnane is the number one unsigned talent in Europe, all right? In MMA, not in Greco Roman, in MMA. Why aren't you signing him? It makes absolutely no sense. And, and if you look, like, I mean, he's beat a guy. When you look at Bill Aljo, he, he deserved, like, this, both of these guys deserve to be in the UFC. It is that caliber of a fight to dismantle Bill Aljo, not only in the striking where people expect it, but to be able to out-wrestle him as well. For a European guy, everyone's throwing shade in us. Oh, you can't wrestle, blah, blah, blah. Look at what he did there. That should be impressive. You shouldn't be turning around and saying, oh, we took him down in the last 10 seconds of a fight. He took down Bill Aljo, the guy everybody was saying was a, a Division One wrestler, I believe, before this. He took him down in the last 10 seconds. That's where Bill was predicted to be dominating this fight. Sure. Surely, surely there's enough videos of, of Brendan Lochnane out there beating up guys standing up that, that you know that he can do that. He was doing it for 14 minutes of the fight. Why is this takedown costing him that? And why did they show this reaction that he, he's fought masterfully for about 14 minutes and then it's just back to Dana White like nodding so uh, so negatively after this, this takedown attempt. It's absolutely ridiculous. He was the performance of a night against the highest caliber opponent of the night. It's a joke that he's not signed. You are running out of talent in the UK. All right, how many guys need to retire? Ross just retired. Jimmy just retired. When this UFC London card comes around in March, you're going to wish you signed Brendan. I guarantee you, because what's this going to do? This guy's torn down contracts from all the major promotions just to get himself in a situation to sign for the UFC again. What do you think is going to happen now that he hasn't been offered that contract? All of these guys are trying to ring him right now. Whether he's answering the phone, I couldn't tell you. I'm sure he's distraught that he didn't get his contract last night. But if they missed out on Brendan Lochnane because of this, and he goes on to be a big star with a different promotion, many of which are trying to get into the European market, many of which are putting on events in London as we speak, that's the UFC's fault. Absolutely ridiculous. It makes no sense whatsoever. And I'll just leave it there. But thank you very much for giving me the opportunity, Jose. Yeah, I don't I don't know if you if they showed it on air or not, but I saw it when he shot in for that takedown at the end, like the 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 the, the takedown that's everyone on everyone's mind. Dana White went like this and like threw his hands in the air. I don't know if that came off on camera, but I was like I saw it and I didn't really think much about it because as soon as that fight was over, 
we were all like, well, that's a con. Like now everyone else is just, who's going to get the second contract? Like Brandon should have gotten it. Like that's, that was a no brainer. I mean, I don't know if you watched any of the scrums, um, but like Paul Felder and Brandon Fitzgerald did a co-scrum just about the apex. And we asked him like, which fighter you looking forward to and this that fight was the one they both said and they said honestly they like i'm we're gonna be sad when one of them doesn't get a ufc contract like they were kind they were just like one of them is getting one and then i i i saw a picture because obviously we didn't see it live I, being there live we didn't see all the graphics but it showed like paul felder's rankings and brandon was number one and then they show him sitting there just kind of like disappointed with that graphic next to his head and I was like, what happened? Like, I thought that fight was unbelievable. And it was basically to me after that fight, like, who's going to get number two? But I obviously uh, you, you said it perfectly. Um, this is no, but hang on, Jose. This guy, his face is broken. He'd been pissing blood a few minutes before and they wheel him out and they sit him down on the couch. So Dana Hoy can come out and tell him, you know, why didn't you take a few more shots? Pissing blood. Is that all? Sorry, mate. Come on. This is absolutely ridiculous. It, so so if he had taken two more punches in those last 10 seconds instead of, uh, you know, implement his, his ground game and show his massive improvements in wrestling, you would have preferred that. That would have got him a contract. Come on, man. What are we doing here? What Are we looking for the best fighters? Because, look, I don't understand why he'd pick these other guys. Like, fair enough, they're, they're great. I have nothing against those guys. Fair play to them. But why, why is the finish so important? Because it generates more interest? Look at the guy's social media. Are you joking me? Tyson Fury is talking about this guy who's fighting on a Tuesday night. I mean, come on, man. What, what are we doing? So what are we doing? If, if you're Brandon, and this is the last, we'll, we'll close the, the, the problem of Brandon with this. If you're Brandon, do you even consider the UFC again? UFC again? Or is this just such a slap in the face that you're like, oh, I'm done. I'm over this. Just get me paid now, wherever it is. He's, he's been at this crossroads many times. And, and to be, to be, completely fair to Brendan he's obviously elite and he obviously had a lot of contracts on the table from big 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 the uh, think of the UFC's main rivals all of those guys wanted to sign him and he always said no because he wanted to fulfill his dream of fighting in the UFC like how many times can you break this guy's heart honestly I'd say he's up for going again if that's what they want him to do I'd say he's probably up for it but in the meantime I'd imagine all the UFC's competitors are going to be making him very lucrative offers it's not every day you have Manchester United players making videos of encouragement, Tyson Fury making videos of encouragement, and getting me to talk about someone like this generally means that they're a special person. Um, very disappointing. That, I better just stop there because I could go on. I could go on for days. Yeah, you don't want to get pizza too hot. But for my, my promo, I'll make it real quick, and it has nothing to do with fights. Last week on this, on this show with Brian Kelleher, I read someone's comment for like how it was written, it was spelled. Someone was poking fun at Lyoto Machida and spelled it L I E dash Y O T O. So Lyoto. I read it how it was spelled. And now my Twitter blew up because, like, oh, he doesn't know how to pronounce Lyoto Machida's name. What kind of MMA person is this? I know how to pronounce uh, Lyoto Machida. I was reading it how the commenter wrote it because he was obviously poking fun at Lyoto Machida. He, he was on Chael's side because I guess Chael Sonnen had called him Lyoto Machida, Machida in the past. So he was basically just laying out all of Chael Sonnen's past insults for Lyoto. So I know how to pronounce Lyoto Machida's name. I was just reading it how the commenter left it. 
end of end of rant, end of promo. Uh, I wanted to give PT all the time to to go on his thing because, like I said, like I was I was just ready for it, man. I got my coffee. I was like, all right, hit me, PT. But, uh, <laughs> but that's gonna wrap up this episode of the A side. We went a little longer, but. The people demanded pizza, and we gave him 90 minutes of pizza. Uh, if you obviously he's gonna come back, I mean, I do it with pizza all the time, but we have a little, little we got oh, thank you so much, Jose. You have me back. I, I would love to be back on, and you're doing a fantastic job, my friend. I love you very much. Me and the dog watch it every Wednesday. Oh, I appreciate it. And we're gonna we'll try and get Danny Segura on, and obviously, AK and uh, Casey, Casey got a lot of fun. never heard of any of those guys. Right. Casey got a lot of support when we did a live in Chicago. So and who wants to come back and who knows, maybe we'll have <laughs> other fighters on down the road. But for this episode of the A side, it'll obviously go up on all the usuals like iTunes, Google Play, uh, like Stitcher and all that. But I'm Jose. That's Pizza Carroll. You can stick around on the MMA Fighting YouTube page and MMAfighting.com. We got uh, Jed Shu, I believe, is going to UFC Greenville. Uh, so we'll have some content on that. Uh, th there's a Bellator card this weekend. Is there? I don't think so. I don't. I don't think so. But like, I literally have had more cups of coffee in the last 24 hours than I've had to total hours of sleep. So my brain is everywhere. And then obviously, um, and you still look beautiful. I was like, how do you do it? What's your secret? What's the moisturizer, man? Give me something. Look at this hair. I need some kind of advice here. I, I tried to straighten it. <laughs> Shout out to my Irish father and my Mexican mother for creating what you see before you. <laughs> beautiful, beautiful. Why can't I get some of that? What the and hell is this? It's like a patched roof. Apparently, you need to have Irish relatives from Westmeath, Ireland, because that is where my dad's side of the family is from. What goes on there? I don't know. Westmeath's a lovely place, but uh, they're terrible at all sports. Tell them I said that, please. I'll, I'll tell my dad that and he'll just be like, all right, whatever. And obviously, Esther and Casey will be in uh, Tampa for bare knuckle boxing. I, we are both very much looking forward to the content they put out. They're the two best in the business at what they do. But I'm Jose. That's PT Carroll. Uh, and we'll see you at the same time next week for another episode of the A side. Who the host is, co host is going to be? Not even I know, but I'll let you know. And with that, we're out. Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure. It's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best, whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com.